Thank you, Dave. And, you know, I, I was thinking about how great it is that we have so many uh, just amazing people in our church. And let me tell you, my family and I went on vacation this past week, and that was the one thing that we missed the most was we missed just being with you all and we really missed just knowing that you know we were up here with our church family because let me tell you I don't know if you realize this or not but we've got some great folks in our church one claps everybody claps I'm talking about you so you better clap <laughs> but no uh, we really did I mean we had a good time on our vacation but I mean it was just it wasn't even two days that we got to Arkansas that I was like, I'm ready to go back home. I'm ready to go, you know. And um, part of that may have been due to the fact that I stayed with my in-laws for nine days, but <laughs> that, I, I don't know. Uh, eh, but I'm so thankful, though, for people like Pastor Mike and, and Pastor Keith and those who've stepped up while we were out and that really helped fill some gaps and, you know, make sure that everything was taken care of. I, I didn't have to lose any sleep over anything or worry about anything because I knew it was going to be taken care of because we have such great people here. And, uh, you know, people like Dave and Alyssa who've been leading this Mexico trip for, you know, four years now. I mean, that's just fantastic. We've just got some just great people in, in, in our church, and I believe God has just really, really blessed us. Amen? Well, we've, we've been in this new season series this uh, past month we've been doing this, and uh, we've been talking about moving into a new season, and I've really spent a great deal of time clarifying uh, for us as a church and for us as believers where our priorities need to be to enable us to move forward. Now, we've talked about love being the foundation. We've talked about focusing our values as a church on loving God and loving people and serving the world. And we've talked about how we need to grow in excellence because everything that we do here as a, uh, as a believer and as we do as Word of Grace, it really reflects the way that we perceive Christ. It perceives how... It shows that perception of how valuable he is to us. And because of that, we need to make sure everything we do, we do it with excellence. And also, we need to use what we have been given for the kingdom of God. If you'll remember a couple of weeks back, I preached a message called, What is in Your Hand? How we need to use what God has given us to further his kingdom. Because it really is all about his kingdom. You know what? It's not about our kingdom. It's not about our agenda. It's about his kingdom agenda. That's why he said it so clearly in Matthew 6 and 33. He said, seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, he's saying, this is what's the most important thing, is my kingdom, not your kingdom, not your agenda. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And then the Bible says, he'll take care of everything else. All these other things are going to be added unto you. Or I like the way um, that the message translation says, it says all these things are going to happen as a matter of course. In other words, it's just a natural reaction. It's a natural response to putting God's kingdom agenda first. But all these things have been great messages. They've been real valid points that have rallied our church together, talking about how we need to have this foundation of love and we can high-five each other and say, yeah, pastor, let's get on board. Let's do some great things for the kingdom of God. And, and we can get all excited. But I tell you, if we don't do something with it, it's going to fall flat and just be a bunch of words. So we need to move into asking the question that is actually the title of my message this morning. So if you're taking notes, write this down. How? 
We need to answer the question of how. How are we going to do this? We can talk about big dreams. We can talk about big ideas. But how are we going to do this? And I want to start off by saying this, and, and I want you to write this down. This is very important that you and I both grab a hold of this principle, is that God is a God that operates in process. He is a God that operates in process. Matter of fact, you and I, we oftentimes don't like process very much. We like instantaneous. We like yesterday. We like for everything to just come and just happen when we want it to happen, how we want it to happen, because we like to control things. We like to be able to know that we can instantly get this and instantly do that, and that'll instantly change in this moment. But God, if you look at his very nature, he's a God of process. And he laid this out for us very simply in the book of Genesis. The very first book of the Bible, the very first peak that we have into the character of who God is, to his character, to his nature, the very first glimpse we get of who God is, is that he's a God of process. How do we know this? Because one of the very first verses in the, in the whole Bible talks about how God spoke and he created. And he didn't do it all at once, did he? And he took six days to do it. Now, do you think that God is powerful enough and that he's mighty enough to have done it all in one day. Then doesn't it make you just kind of scratch your head for a minute and go, why did he do it in six days? Why did he do it in a process? I mean, he didn't have to. He didn't have to do it that way. I think that the, the principle we can gather out of creation is that we see that God is a God of process. He's showing us his character. I believe that him creating the, the universe, that him creating us, that him creating everything we see in this process is that he's showing us, he's relaying to us his character. He's saying, okay, I want you to know who I am. Not just what I did, I want you to know who I am. And so because of that, I'm going to show you how I'm going to do this. I'm going to show you how I'm going to operate. This is how I do things. I am a God of process and we see this now I, I want with that thought in mind i want you to look over in genesis chapter 1 and verse 26 where we see god creating man and he said this in genesis 1 and 26 then god said let us make man in our image according to our likeness let them have dominion over the fish of the sea over the birds of the air and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Now, God used, God used this term here. We see this in scripture, likeness. We see image. We see his attributes, his DNA. He created us in his image. So with what we just learned about God being a God that operates in process, then we can see that it's safe to say that he created us to be people of process. He created us to operate in process if he made us in his image and in his likeness. And he is a God that operates in process. There's so many things that you and I uh, have experienced in our life that have been a matter of process. They haven't been instantaneous. They haven't been things that we could force to happen. I mean, I remember that, you know, whenever I was a kid, I would sometimes draw a mustache on my face because I wanted to speed up the process. I wanted to have... Uh, as a matter of fact, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a real goofy story. Uh, my mom had this shampoo that was supposed to make your hair grow longer. 
And my friends and I told them, say, guys, my mom has this, this shampoo that's supposed to help your hair grow longer. And we would put it on our face. And we would just let it sit there. Like we would just sit there talking to each other and have this goop all over our face because we thought that that would give us facial hair faster. You know, a lot of times we try to speed up the process, but there are certain things that have to happen in line in the way God wants it to happen in the way that it's supposed to happen because God is a God of process and we as his people are a people of process. Just like the law of sowing and reaping. You can't take that seed and go, huh, this is an apple seed. I'd love to have an apple tree. And then all of a sudden, boom, there it is. No, there's a process. There's a law in place. And we see that God established that from the very beginning of time. So we look at the how. That's what we're looking at here this morning. We look at what we need to understand and what we need to do, this process that's involved. Now, for us to grow as a church and for us to grow as individuals, we have to move forward in that process the way that God wants us to do that. But here's the thing about process that a lot of us don't really like. You knew this was coming. Every process requires change. Every process requires change. That's the part that you and I have a difficult time with, is the change. Because it seems like we, we prefer comfort over growth. Seems like sometimes we prefer predictability and control over growth. And so the things that we can't control or the things that make us a little uncomfortable, we shy away from because those things require maybe more of our time. It requires for us to step up and take ownership and more responsibility for what it is that God has given us to do because he is that God of process and he's trying to get us to change and be more like the way that he wants us to be. You see, whenever you accept Christ, he comes in and changes you. Romans uh, 8 and 29, he talks about being conformed to the image of his son. And in that moment when we get saved and God's life comes on the inside of us, he completely obliterates who we were. The old man is gone and we're completely made in that image of Christ on the inside. But there's some things on the outside that still have to be changed and still have to be uh, grown and chiseled, right? Look at your neighbor and say, you being chiseled. Smile when you say it, though. It makes it a lot nicer. You're being chiseled. Ladies, look at your husband and say, you chiseled, baby. Woo. I almost fell. I would have been chiseled. Change is a good thing, though. Change is a good thing. Look at your neighbor and say, change is a good thing. Give him this creepy stare. Change is a good thing. It, don't get nervous, though. Change makes people nervous. People, oh, what are we going to change? Oh, don't, what's coming down the pipe? Oh, what are we going to change? Everybody gets scared when they hear that word. Don't get nervous wondering what is going to be stopped or started or if this ministry is going to continue or this one's going to stop or if we're going to have um, this kind of this or that kind of that. Don't, don't, get, don't get all worried about those types of things because that's not what we're talking about this morning. Relax. Relax. That's not what we're talking about this morning in this new season. I'm talking about change that matters. I'm talking about life change. I'm talking about transformation. I'm talking about us growing, growing and being that person that God has called us to be. 
So here's the thing. The kind of change we're talking about is the kind of change that's going to keep us moving forward as individuals, and it's going to keep us moving forward as a church. But every time you change, what's that next immediate step that happens after that change begins? You run into conflict. You don't believe me? Ever dieted before? (laughs) Ever tried to start praying more and you say oh i'm gonna pray more i'm gonna i'm really gonna just get in there and pursue god i'm gonna pray more and i'm gonna read my bible more too and the night that you make that decision but i'm gonna do it in the morning and i'm gonna set my alarm 20 minutes early and wake up and i'm gonna pray but that night you don't sleep very well And you're tossing and turning because you're dreading that 20 minutes earlier on your alarm clock. And because you don't sleep well, you go, well, I just didn't have a good night's sleep, so I need that extra 10 minutes. And we say, God understands. What? There's conflict. Anytime you decide to make any kind of change, there's conflict. Don't believe me? Ask anybody that works at Walmart. They've heard it. Just because that aisle was over there for 20 years and they moved it and you can't find it anymore? They're going to go, we hear that stuff all the time. We hear people saying, why is Walmart always moving stuff around? I can't find anything in here. You know what I'm talking about. We like the predictability. But if we're going to grow, if we're going to grow, we've got to change. Because here's the thing. Whenever you change, let's imagine that these steps here, I decide to make the decision to change. As soon as I take that step up, I immediately enter myself willingly into conflict. And sometimes we get discouraged right here on this step, and, 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 and we, never, we never make it to that next step. We never move forward. We never grow because we get stuck here and we get discouraged. And because things didn't change when we wanted them to, how we wanted them to, and everything didn't work out how we wanted it to work out, we get right back down here again and we get stuck. But whenever you get up here and you say, you know what, it's tough. Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, my schedule's tight. Yeah, I need to make these decisions. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah, I've got to crucify my flesh and and, and I've got to put down some of those carnal desires. And and yeah, I've got to distance myself from some people. Yeah, I've got to confront someone. Yeah, I've got to deal with this issue or that issue. And and yeah, it's hard and and this is difficult and it's requiring a lot out of me. But you know what? I'm going to endure it. I'm going to keep moving forward and I'm going to keep focused. And if you can do that... During that change and that conflict, guess what's going to happen? You're going to take another step up, and you're going to grow. And then you get to take a breath for just a minute, and then all of a sudden God begins to prick your heart about something else, and now it's time to change. And then you immediately run into a different kind of conflict, and then you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow, and you grow. But it's a process that you and I have got to understand, change, conflict, and growth. I want you to understand that uh, life transformation, real life transformation happens when you and I make the decision to trust God. I mean, when we make the decision to really trust Him. Because the Bible says in the 23rd Psalm, it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. It says I walk through it. I don't hang out there. I don't go, oh, valley of shadow of death. Seems like a nice place to set up camp. I keep moving. 
It says, I walk through the valley. Yeah, there's tough times. Yeah, there's times where that conflict, is, it, it, it's, it's tearing away at you. Man, I'll tell you, one of the prayers I've always prayed that's extremely dangerous that I would invite you all to pray. Um, <laughs> one of those dangerous prayers is, God, make me into the man that you want me to be. Because sometimes I've had to go through things that are literally weeding out things in me that don't need to be there. And once I feel like I'm finally there, oh, finally I'm the man God wants me to be. And then all of a sudden I go, no, I'm not. And I find out there's still a weeding process. There's things in my heart. There's things that, there's hardness in, in, in my heart or there's unforgiveness or there's pride or there's something in there that needs to be weeded out. And it's growing. But, but every time I make that decision to grow and I, and I want to pursue God, there's that change, that conflict, and that growth. But listen, here's the thing is that as you're growing and, and as God's weeding these things out of us and causing this life transformation, we shouldn't get comfortable in sin. Amen, somebody? Amen. You see, you can't be comfortable and decide that you want to change. <laughs> That's not how it works. You can't be comfortable and decide you want to change. There will be some discomfort of some kind when you decide to change, whenever you're ready to embrace moving forward in the process that God has for you. It, you know, if, if you get comfortable in your sin, what it does is it creates a calloused heart because you begin to uh, ignore that drawing of the Holy Spirit trying to get you to move forward. And you begin to ignore it and ignore it and ignore it. And then you finally get to a place where you feel somewhat comfortable and you ignore truth. I, I, I never have understood that how we can hear the truth so blatantly and have it presented so raw in front of us and walk away from it. It's like this is how your life can be changed and this is how you can be saved. This is how God says things are supposed to be and people just look at it and just walk away from it. I don't understand that. I don't understand that because the motivation isn't, isn't a, a, a judgment or impending doom. The motivation is God's love drawing us to that place where we need to get right with him. Amen? But it requires us to change. I, I want you to turn over to the book of Romans in the 12th chapter. I want us to look at something together this morning. Romans 12, we've read it a lot. I've preached on it a lot. And, and it's a very familiar passage of Scripture. But... As I was meditating on this text this week and thinking about this message that I was going to share with you this morning, this scripture leaped off of the pages to me in a different way this morning than I, I've really ever seen it before. So I want to share that with you today. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, we've heard this uh, if you've ever read this before, this may be real familiar to you. Maybe you heard it for the first time today. But I want you to see something in Romans 12, and we're going to break this down. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. What is Paul? He, Paul wrote this to the Romans, and he's sitting there telling them that I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, I'm asking you on behalf of the mercy that you've been shown, the love that God has shown you, I'm, I'm beseeching you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies 
as a living sacrifice. He's, he's sitting there showing us here how important it is to recognize what has been done for us. Has anybody ever done anything nice to you and you wanted to do it back? You know, or, you know, you want to do something nice? Yeah, me, I, my neighbor a couple months back mowed my yard, uh, my front yard. He has a little uh, riding mower and he just buzzed over it right quick. And you know, the other day I was mowing my yard and I saw his grass was a little high too. And I went over there and you know, just mowed his yard. It was, you know, it was just a natural thing. You naturally want to do something nice for someone who did something nice for you. It's just a natural response that we have. How much more, how much more should we respond to what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross? The guy mowed my yard, that was nice, I mowed his back, I responded to it. But how can we sit idly by whenever we're hearing of the love and the mercy of God and we may have even experienced it firsthand. We've experienced his forgiveness. We've experienced his love. We've experienced his kindness and we don't respond to it. Are you kidding me? I'll mow a guy's yard that mowed my yard, but I can't give my life to someone that gave his life for me. Paul is saying to the Romans, I beseech you, brethren, I'm I'm, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, I'm asking you because of this mercy that you've been shown to respond by loving God, to respond by giving him everything, to respond to that mercy that you've been shown by loving God with everything that you have. You know, Jesus said in Luke 10 and 27, when he was confronted by the Pharisees saying, hey, Jesus, which one of the commandments is the greatest? They were trying to trap him, and he blew them away by saying, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your mind, with all of your soul, with all your strength. And then the second commandment, just like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, in this is the whole of the law. In other words, all of the things that you do are a byproduct of those things because he dealt with the heart issue. I cannot murder somebody. I can, you know, not commit adultery. But it's the why, it's the thing in my heart that makes me not do those things when I focus on loving God and loving people. Those things aren't even a question because he has everything. Does that make sense? You guys doing okay? Everybody okay? All right, and then he said in here, by the mercy of God that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. It says, this is your reasonable service. In other words, it just makes sense. In other words, it's, it's a reasonable thing for you to do in light of what has been done for you. It just makes sense. It's for you to give yourself as a living sacrifice. Now we know here that we are to love God because we see that that love is that response to his mercy and to the love that we have been shown. So we love God. But then next, it's our reasonable act of service to love people and to share his love and truth with others because we realize and we recognize that we represent Jesus Christ in the earth. 2 Corinthians 5 and 20 It says very simply, it says that you are ambassadors for Jesus Christ. It's as if Jesus were pleading through you to others saying, be reconciled to God. 
He says, you are a representative of Jesus Christ in the earth. You are an ambassador. And because of that, because of this mercy that you have been shown, this is how you are to present your body as a living sacrifice to God. In response to him, you are now his representative here, telling others to be reconciled to God. So he's telling us to love him in response to his love, to love God. And then he's telling us by those mercies that we should be that living sacrifice, that we should live our lives as a way that would be holy and acceptable to God by loving other people and being that ambassador for Christ. He's telling us to love God. He's telling us to love people. And lastly, we don't allow the world that we live in to influence us to be no different from those who don't follow Christ. Because we see here in verse 2, he says, do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed to this world's way of thinking. But he said, be transformed, be changed. In this process is what he's talking about. Be changed, be transformed by renewing your mind. Because when you do that, you're going to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God when you change the way that you think. It's going to transform you. You know... I really want us to get a hold of this today. Because we live in a world that is trying to influence us and is trying to taint us and is trying to contaminate us. Trying to contaminate us as believers. Trying to get us to back off. This world system the secularism of our world is trying to get the message of the gospel to back off. Everywhere from the media to school systems, every different area. Back off with that God stuff. Trying to intimidate us, flex its muscles and show us how big and tough that it is. To the point to where it's beginning to infiltrate churches, where it'll infiltrate schools, it'll infiltrate our children. And we begin to see our mindsets being changed and being conformed and adopted to this world's philosophy and way of thinking. To where we will rationalize God. And we make God fit within our way uh, or, or our box of what we will accept. And we rationalize God. We don't allow the word of God, the absolute truth, the rock, the foundation to tell us what is true. We let how we feel about something tell us what is true. Well, I know that the Bible says this and this, but you know, I really think that if God is a God of love, then he wouldn't do that. It says it in his word. (laughs) Are you getting this? It gets us to dial down our intensity. It gets us to dial down our authenticity. It gets us to dial down our impact and our power, and we've got this form of godliness, but it's just blah. We've got no power got no authority because we allow this stuff to influence us and to change the way that we think and contaminate. But you see, what he's saying here is that if you will not be conformed to this world, but if you will be transformed by renewing your mind or you're constantly in his word and you're constantly surrounded by this growth, this process, and you're changing, then whenever the conflict comes, whenever the world would try to pressure you and intimidate you, you can stand on your own two feet because you know what's right. You know, I, um, I have a friend in Arkansas that was raised up just like I was in a good godly home, 
same moral values, excellent parents, good godly man and woman, was passionately pursuing God. God would give her um, songs and things that she would write down even as a kid and just had such a heart to love the Lord and so passionate to serve him, very passionate about the truth of the word and the absolutes of God's word. But as she got older, she went to uh, college and she began to allow some of her secular professors to influence her that were real open-minded about all this feely stuff. Well, you know, I don't feel that's right. Or they begin to rationalize God or make God just another philosophy topic. And it began to change the way that she thought. And then I had a conversation with her, I don't know, probably about three years ago or so. And we were talking about some hot political topics and things like that. And she began to say, you know, I really think that abortion is probably okay. And, you know, I'm going, what? Whoa, whoa, hang on a second. Let me take you to what God's Word says. And we began to talk about some more political issues. And, you know, I think it's really okay for a man and a woman to, to live together and to have sex and, you know, to try each other out, you know, because how do you know if there's a right one because there's such a high divorce rate and all. And they go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Wait a minute, wait a minute. You're, you're getting away from the core. You're getting away from, from what's going on because we're beginning to just validate these things that we want to be okay And unfortunately, this person is now not even living for God, completely consumed by sin, spends every night in the bar, spends all of her time just just feeling this, trying to fill this void. And she was raised up just like me. And it breaks my heart to see that. It breaks my heart to see that, but it shows me what this verse means. That we're not supposed to be conformed to this world because this world is trying to get us to conform, folks. Let me tell you, you can turn on the television and things that are on TV now would not have been allowed 10, 15 years ago. Hello. Oh, well, it's not a big deal if my kids talk like that. If it ain't cute when they're little, it ain't gonna be cute when they're a teenager. (laughs) Amen. You see, we're supposed to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Not conformed to this world, to the pattern of this world. You see, by doing that, we're changed and we continue to grow. And here's what the Bible says, that we we begin to prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You see, Matthew 20 and 28, Jesus said this, I didn't come to this earth to be served, but I, came, I, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for all. Jesus said, yeah, listen to me, folks. Out of everybody that there's ever been a red carpet rolled out for and there's been trumpets played and there's been a big welcome and a big entrance and just a big to-do about them being somewhere, oh, so-and-so's in town, oh, this person's in town. If anybody deserved that kind of attention and that kind of honor, it's Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't have the red carpet rolled out for him when he came to this earth. He didn't even have a decent place to stay when he was born. Jesus didn't walk around saying, roll the red carpet out for me, fellas. Here I come. Now, 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 now. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth. That wasn't how it went. 
It was Jesus of Nazareth coming to town. Let's see if we can trap him and kill him. The one person out of all history that deserved to be honored. And he didn't come to, to, to be served. I didn't come to have the red carpet rolled out for me. He said, I came to serve. That means if you like me or if you don't like me, I'm here to serve. I died for the one that spit in my face just as much as I died the one that put his arms around my neck. Amen? Now, Jesus got down on his hands and his knees right before he went to the cross as he was with his disciples and he began to wash their feet. And they said, Jesus, what are you doing? And Jesus said that what you've seen me just do, do to one another. By this, all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love one for another. You see, it's serving, it's giving, it's because of the mercy of God. It's us serving the world. It's us serving others. It's not conforming to the world. It's not us changing who we are to be more like the world. It's us serving the world. Why? Because we love God and because we love people. Because we have been given that mercy. And we recognize it and it causes us to respond. Are you getting this? So here's the thing. Our process, the how we're going to do what God has called us to do as a church, the process is our purpose. The process is our purpose. We've been talking lately, and I've been making you say it, repeat it back to me, love God, love people, serve the world, yeah. Been putting it in the emails, been putting it on the bulletins, love God, love people, serve the world, yeah, that's great. How are we going to do it? We're going to love God, love people, and serve the world. Yeah, I know, but how are we going to do it? We're going to love God, love people, and serve the world. That's how you do it. We're not going to be conformed. We're not going to be tainted. We're not going to be intimidated. We're going to love God. We're going to love people, and we're going to serve the world. We're going to change the way that we think we're going to grow. We're going to change. We're going to go through that conflict if necessary as we change, and we're going to grow, and we're going to be the men and women he's called us to be. We're going to be the church that he's called us to be here in Sheboygan Falls. We're going to make the impact he's called us to make. We're going to do what he intended for us to do. Amen? You see, the process, you know the rules. If you don't know the rules, it's one claps, everybody claps. Because you don't want to be that one person that's just feeling it. And you leave them hanging. The process is our purpose. Listen, love God, love people, and serve the world. It's what we do, and it's how we do it. Here's what that looks like. We're growing and loving God by providing a place every Sunday where people can worship God corporately and we can help them connect with him. We teach and preach the word, uncompromising, and, we, and the Holy Spirit convicts the hearts of people to love God through meeting Jesus. We teach the word of God to help us grow in our understanding of God so we can grow in our love for him. That's one way that we're loving God. And we love people by providing opportunities to connect and build relationships that are going to help us to sharpen one another. That's why we're starting our link groups, our small groups up, and they're going to be really strong in the fall. We kind of did a a soft launch of link groups here in the summer, and we're going to do it even bigger in the fall because I really believe this. Um, that our, our link groups, which is our small groups, is going to be the foundation of us getting stronger and stronger in our discipleship here in our church. Because Jesus said, go out into all the world and make what? Disciples. disciples. So I think that's pretty important. And because of that, 
I think that we need to up our efforts in what we're doing here as a church to connect people and to, and to grow in his word and to get deeper in his word and to grow in relationships with one another. Amen? Help me, somebody. I ain't got no help up in here. <laughs> I went to Arkansas for a week, so it all, it all came back to me. So, listen... I believe that our link groups are going to be the beginning of increasing discipleship in our church. We have fellowship events. We're doing like this brat fry thing here today so we can connect with others. Listen, we don't do things just to do them. I can't stress that enough. I'm not, I don't have time to do things just to do them. Hello, somebody. You see, it's too valuable an opportunity. It's, it, the time is drawing too near to just do something. Yeah, just because. What we do here as a church, what we do as Word of Grace, needs to have a purpose, amen? We need to be intentional with what we do. And I believe that we need to strengthen that, and we need to focus on that as we grow, as we change, as we mature, as we go through the process that God has us to go through, that we become intentional in everything that we do. You see, that's why we uh, have ministries like Grief Share, and CR, Kids on the Move, and Link Groups, 180. That's why we counsel people. That's why we pray Why? Because we love people. <laughs> we love people. That's what we're doing. We're loving God and we're loving people. And then we serve the world both inside and outside of our local church by stepping up into a place where we begin to do something for someone else. Because we love God and we love people, we serve the world. See, I want to see us increase uh, serving outside of our local church. I, I think it's wonderful that we have uh, people that are serving in our church, people that hold open the doors and greet us, people that check in kids at the kiosk, people that work our cafe and that take care of our children in our wonderful nursery and our great, fantastic kids on the move that we've gotten, people that run our lights and our sound and the computers and musicians and, and people that pass out bulletins and people that are willing to pray and people that are willing to clean and step up and run guest services, people that are willing to just go above and beyond to serve, even the things that you do don't see it's it's great people that are willing to email and and call and check on somebody or go see them in the hospital or see them when they're down or love on somebody that's great that's wonderful that's serving people that's what god is calling us to do amen to be there and love people amen and also i believe that he wants us to serve people outside of our local congregation amen somebody Amen. And so you're going to begin to see here, we're going to increase our efforts to reach out beyond just our four walls in the church. We're going to take care of our folks, and we're going to love on the folks that are here at Word of Grace, but we also need to reach our community in our area. Amen? Amen. So that's part of what we're doing here as we're talking about growing and changing and moving forward, and we're talking about being the people God has called us to be, and that we go out and we love people and we show them the love of Christ. And let me just say this while I'm on that. I want you to get this heart in you. We do what we do for the kingdom of God, not our kingdom. Amen? I'm about God's kingdom agenda. That means that if we go and we do something outside of our church to reach our community and nobody comes to our church as a result of it, that's between them and God. I want you to understand, do I want to see this church filled with people? Absolutely. I'll be the first one to tell you that. I want to see it packed out. I want to see us just grow and, and, and need more things and, and, and more people to serve and, and, and bigger facilities. I want, I want to see all that's great, but it's not about my kingdom. It's not about 
the kingdom of word of grace. It's about the kingdom of God. Amen? I want you to get this heart in your chest. Listen, listen to me. I want you to get this heartbeat. I want you to hear your pastor this morning share this with you. That if we serve and we reach someone else and some other church or some other ministry benefits from it, we still win. Amen? Because we're all in this together. Amen? Let, let me tell you something. I'll just tell you a quick story. I, I didn't tell this in first service, but I just feel like I need... Everybody okay? Those brats and burgers are still going to be there and they're still going to taste just as good. <laughs> just bear with me because you need to hear this. When I was a youth pastor in Oklahoma, the movie The Passion of the Christ came out. You guys remember when that was a big deal. Well, our church spent, I think it was like fifteen dollars or $20,000 to rent out the whole movie theater and show it on every screen. We bought the movie theater out. And it was a pretty cool deal. We also spent about $10,000 doing a huge mail-out to our community. We had an invite in everyone's home inviting them to come see the Passion of the Christ. And then after that, we also had altar counselors ready. They let us do altar calls in the theater. And we were praying with people in the movie theater. And it was one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of. It was incredible. But you want to know something? All the people we prayed with. All the people that we prayed with and all of them seeing those images of what Jesus went through. The next Sunday morning, our pastor was pumped. And he was expecting to have a crowd, buddy. There was about 10 or 15 more people than what we normally had. And in the staff meeting the next day, he was furious and said, we'll never do that again. I'm not putting him down. I'm just wanting you to hear this. We're not trying to do what we do to benefit us. We're trying to benefit the kingdom of God. Hello, somebody. Amen? Now, now listen, that broke my heart. That broke my heart to hear that. That, that, that. Let me tell you, I'm willing to do what Jesus did when he left the 99 to go and reach the one. Hello, somebody. That, that doesn't mean no matter how much money, no matter how, how much effort, no matter how much sweat, how, how much uh, I've got to press in, what I've got to do, however inconvenient that it is for me. How inconvenient it may be for me that it's not about me, it's about him. It's about his kingdom. It's about reaching souls. It's about this process being our purpose of loving God, loving people, and serving the world, regardless of how they receive us, regardless of how they respond, and regardless, somebody, of what I get out of the deal. It's not about what I get out of the deal. And I can go, woo, you did good. It's about, did it benefit the kingdom of God? Is it aligned with our purpose? That's why we're not going to do things just to do it here. I want you to understand that. We're going to do things that line up with our purpose of loving God and loving people and serving the world. And if it doesn't line up, it doesn't go. Because we don't have time to mess with anything else. And we have to be strategic with what we do. And we have to be mindful of what we do. And we have to evaluate what we do when it goes good and when it's not going so good. Everybody wants to evaluate when things are falling apart. That's not when you evaluate. You evaluate whenever it's going well, too. That means that if something goes well that we do, we do a great outreach, and something went really well, we don't go, woo, that was great. Let's say, how can we do it better? Let's evaluate. Let's be people of excellence. Let's love God, love people, and serve the world. Amen? Amen. See, we serve people both inside and outside 
of our local church. And the last thing I want you to write down this mess, uh, in this message this morning is the more we grow, the greater impact we're going to have for the kingdom of God. Thank you so much for what you do. Thank you so much for your heart. I appreciate you and I love you. And I, I'm thankful that we are doing the work of the Lord together in this town. Amen? I, I really am thankful for that because it's about his kingdom. That's why it's important that we grow. It's important that we grow because this is kingdom stuff. This isn't just, oh, let's, let's have a big church that's really cool. No, this is kingdom stuff. This is stuff that's going to matter. When I stand before God as a pastor, God's, going, God's not going to go, well, did you bring your attendance sheets with you? How many were you running? He's going to say, what did you do for my kingdom? And here's the thing. The Bible says that the Lord builds a house, those that labor, labor in vain. We've heard that. But I want you to understand something, that if we do what God wants us to do, and we focus on the thing he wants us to focus on, he's going to increase. He's the one that brings the increase. He's the one that does it. He's the one that, I can't change a life. I can't increase anything. If I do, then it's my efforts, and I can go, look at how spatial I am. And that's not, that's not how it works. I don't get to get any glory for this. You don't get to get any glory for this. Because all the glory goes to him. And that's what we're to be about as Christians and as word of grace. So let me just conclude by telling you this. This is what I see. I see a church that loves God, loves people, that's serving the world. I see a body of believers that doesn't accept good enough. I see a body of believers that knows who they are in Christ, who walk in the authority of Jesus Christ and are filled with the Holy Spirit and walking in love to see lives changed as we are being changed. I'm talking about a church that sees marriages restored, that sees financial situations turned around, that sees the sick healed and the depressed and the addicted set free. But to see these things, we're going to have to grow. We're seeing them at a, at a level, but I believe God wants us to make an even greater impact than we already are. But to do that, we've got to grow. We've got to grow. We've got to go through the process. How do we do it? We love God. We love people and serve the world. Why do you do it? So we can love God, love people, and serve the world. How do you do it? We love God, we love people, and we serve the world. Does that make sense to everybody? Can you get on board with that? Can we move forward together with that in unity and do what God has put us here to do? This process is going to require us to change, not to get comfortable. I want you to understand this morning that we need to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit that's drawing us today. I know the Holy Spirit's drawing you. He's definitely jacking up my world today. I'm the one giving the message, and man, I just, I just feel all messed up today. I didn't get to preach last week, so. Thank you so much for hanging out. I know that we've gone a little longer than we normally do, but I believe that you want to hear this. I believe that you're connecting with what God is doing here. And I think it's very important. I think it's very special. This is the timing of the Lord, what he's doing in our church and in our area. And, and I think it's very special. We need to grow in that. We need to recognize that. The Holy Spirit is drawing us today saying it's time to grow. Both as a church and as an individual, as a couple, as a husband and wife, as a parent. It's time to grow. It's time to leave that sin. It's time to leave that, that pain, that unforgiveness, that wrong that was done to you. It's time to let it go. 
It's time to leave it in the past. It's, it's, it's time to go. It's time to find healing. It's time to leave the past behind. It's time to let go because where we're going, it can't come along. And it's been holding you back for too long. It's been the roadblock, the same old roadblock, and, and it's got to go. It's time to let it go. It's time to step up and it's, it's time to get free, somebody. It's time to not only get free once and then go back and say, oh, I blew it all over again. It's time to be free and free indeed. That means I continually walk in victory, that I continually walk in his presence, that I continually walk. And I don't even have to look back and worry about it. But I walk continually free. It, it, it's time, time to move forward. It's time to grow. But that's going to cause us to change. We're people of process. It's time to step up and say, I'm ready to change, Lord. With your strength, with your power, with your word, with your truth, we can do it. I believe it. It's time for us to step up and be the men and women God's called us to be. I want you to stand up with me this morning. Oh, Holy Spirit, thank you so much. You're in control. Your will be done, not our will. Not our form. Not the things that we've even thought through and decided on our own. But God, let our steps be led of you. Lead us and guide us into all truth today. Help me to find those today, God, that may be looking, that may be searching, that may be hurting, that may be in desperate need in this hour. Rescue them, God. Rescue them this day. Maybe you're here today and you would say, Pastor Derek, I feel the Holy Spirit drawing me. I feel the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart. I need to get right with God. I need to get right with God because I'm not right and I haven't been right and I know it. And, 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 and hearing it today, once again, it's softened my heart and it's stirred me up and I know I need to get right. Or maybe you've never said uh, the sinner's prayer. You've never asked Jesus to be the Lord and the Savior of your life. You've never welcomed him in and, and you know today is the day. You know it's time to make that decision. I want you to just simply let me know that you're here by just lifting your hand and putting it back down. That's all I want you to do. It's that simple. I see that hand. You can put it down. I see that hand. Hands all over this place. You can put it back down. Anybody else in this place? Anybody else? Over here to my left. Is anybody over here? I don't want to miss you because I'm going to be praying for you. Church, would you help us pray together today? Say, Jesus... I decide today to not go back, to not be tripped up by the same old stuff because I welcome Jesus into my heart today to be my Savior and to be my Lord. Your way, not my way. I repent of my sin and I ask you to cleanse me and make me new and make me right with you. And I am right with you because of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you said that prayer today, I want you to let us know. I want